I'm going to read the Bible for us. Uh, the passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 1 to 11. So if you want to follow along, that would be great. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is, in the, sa- it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith in the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each other just as he determines. Why don't I pray? Uh, Our Lord and God, thanks that you love us so much, and uh, thank you for um, the gift of your Holy Spirit and your Word, and may your Spirit and your Word come together in our community now to change our lives. We ask this in your name, Lord. Amen. So it's November. It's that time of year when churches all around the Southern Hemisphere are starting to think about 2020, starting to think about vision, about what next year is going to hold. You may just be thinking about getting through end-of-year exams, getting to Christmas. But uh, if, you, if you lead a church or an organization, your, your head's in next year. And um, so I've been thinking, and, and as a church leadership, we've been thinking a lot about where is God taking our church? Where do we want to go? What do we want to be? And uh, about a month ago, I came across a video that just summed it, this up so very, very well. So we're going to watch a little video. Uh, it's, um, I'll explain it when you've had a look. So uh, let's watch and enjoy. As I read the New Testament, I fell in love with Jesus. Didn't you? I liked him. I liked what he was like. I liked the things he did. I liked the things he said. Didn't you like those things? I thought that stuff was hot. I liked it when he multiplied the bread. Did you like that one? Huh? How about it? Did you like that? And the fishes, you know, the sardines. I always picture sardines. I like that stuff. I like all that stuff, you know? I liked it when he went by the fig tree and said, hmm. You know? <laughs> and it died. Can you picture him doing that? I like all that stuff. I like it. I remember last night, come forth. That's a biggie, you know? I mean, that's hot. There's not many guys doing that come forth thing, you know, telling anybody to come up from the dead. I like all that stuff. And when I became a Christian, I thought that's what I was going to do. I spent several weeks reading the New Testament and talking with these people, and I thought, this is great. You know, I'm going to join up. I want to do this stuff. And so I remember the frustration of attending church the first few times. You know what I thought they did at church? 
I thought you, that people gathered at the church, had a good time together, sort of divvied up the land, and then everybody went out and healed a few, cast out a few demons, and won a few people to Christ before lunch. And so the first few times I went to church, I went prepared with the idea that we're going to, you know, ha, I'm going to take Anaheim. I want to go to Anaheim, you know, the deepest, darkest pagan Anaheim over there by Disneyland. That's where I want to go because that's where I was raised. And when they didn't do it, I was disappointed. And I remember one day asking a guy about it. I said, well, when do we go out and do it? He said, what? I said, when do we go out and do it? He says, oh, you don't have to do it. You just have to believe it was done once. Now that's pathetic, <laughs> isn't it? I found out over the next year or two that we cried about it, we sang about it, we preached about it, we prayed over it, we gave to it, but we never did it. We never got to go do the things that Jesus did. And I grew disillusioned in the process. Now, you know, when I worked for the devil, he let me do his stuff. <laughs> Didn't he let you do his stuff? He let me do his stuff. But when I came to work for Jesus, they didn't want to let me do his stuff. And I, to tell you the truth, I joined up to do the stuff. Did you? You see, it's doing the stuff that's going to change the world. It's not knowing it was done once. It's not knowing that it's important. It's doing it that's going to change the world. Somewhere, someplace, somebody's got to start believing this book and acting on it. And I figure it might as well be us. We're qualified. And we understand that it can be done. So, uh, as I think about our church, I think about what are we going to do as a church? What are we going to be? Um, some, some churches come up with great big mission statements and you know, 25 pages of detailed strategy and how everything's going to work. And, you know, we've got a bunch of that stuff documented. But for me, it's, as I think about the future, I think it's really simple. I just want to be a church where we do the stuff, where we just do the stuff. It's really simple to be a group of people who together do the stuff. Now, of course, you might say at this point, What's the obvious question? Well, what's the stuff that we're to do? And I, I, the good thing about Jesus is he doesn't leave us guessing. So Matthew 28, just before Jesus goes off to, uh, and is ascended in heaven and uh, sends his spirit out, he gives the church their instructions. And he says this, this is what we've got to do. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, here's what you've got to do. You've got to go and make disciples of all nations. So you've got to go wherever there are people in the world, you've got to go find them, and you've got to make them my apprentices. 
You've got to make them people who follow me. You've got to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That means you've got to immerse them in the reality of God. You've got to fill them with God, get God into them so that they're like soaked in God. And then what you've got to do is you've got to teach them. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Is that what Jesus said? Did you notice my slight rhetorical omission as I read that? Why don't just teach people? We've got to teach them what? To obey everything I have commanded you. It's the essence of making disciples is not just teaching, but teaching in such a way that people obey everything that Jesus commanded. Um, now, uh, that's hard for us, right, as a church, as a culture, because here's, here's a bunch of reasons why it's tricky. One is we confuse information with transformation, right? So in our education system, okay, so how many of you, anyone here been an apprentice uh, yeah, yeah, there we go. Will, Will's an apprentice. He's an, he's an apprentice carpenter um, with blood and guts. Okay, so if, you, if you're studying medicine, particularly surgery, you apprentice yourself to a surgeon and you go and you watch and you, and you do exactly what they do. And you are taught by somebody to do the stuff. The rest of us, we are educated by sitting and listening to people transfer information from their notes to your notes, bypassing both sets of brains along the way, typically. Um, that's how education... I thought that was a joke. You're supposed to laugh. I thought that was good. Yeah. You laughed. You laughed internally. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it, education is about someone up the front talking, and, you, and we all listen, and we read, and we go, okay, now I've learned it. But you haven't learned it until you can do it. You haven't learned it until you can do it. Now, don't get me wrong. I love information. I am an avid reader. I, am a, I'm, I would be a very poor tradesman in any field of activity whatsoever. But I love information and I, can, I love reading about all kinds of stuff and learning stuff. And our education system works. But that's not worked for me in that regard. But that is not what Jesus has in mind. He doesn't just want more information. He wants transformation. He wants obedience and this is not a new idea that Jesus has. Uh, the prophet Hosea says, to obey is better than sacrifice. Okay, so what's sacrifice? Well, sacrifice is coming and listening and learning and doing the religious thing without actually really doing what God wants. It's coming along and saying, well, I'll polish the outside of my vessel. I will turn up on a Sunday. I'll look interested. I might even take some notes. I might even go to Bible study. I might say some prayers on a Sunday. I might throw a bit of money in the, in the bag. But for the rest of my uh, existence, I'll just go ahead and live my life um, by myself. And, and God's, God's always said, I'm not interested in that kind of external charade and those performances of religion. What I want is obedience want your life to obey is better than sacrifice jesus says teach people to obey everything i have commanded you uh, that's if jesus was speaking southern californian like john wimber was back in 1985 which is when this clip was taken he would have said teach people to do the stuff and you've only done your job 
of making disciples when your disciples are doing the stuff. Okay, so what is the stuff that Jesus has commanded us to do? Let's pretend it's not a rhetorical question. What's the, what's the stuff that we should do if we're, that Jesus commanded us to do? Okay, so the stuff is make disciples. How do we make disciples? What do you have to do? You've got to tell them about Jesus. You've got to announce the coming of the kingdom of God. You've got to invite them to places where they can experience the kingdom made real, like church, youth group, crew groups, whatever it might be. Okay, you've got to go preach the gospel. You've got to tell people. Because I think Jesus is one of the best kept secrets in our culture, isn't he? Like lots of people think they know about Jesus, but they don't. What they really know about Jesus, in my experience, is what they heard when they were in you know, primary school scripture, maybe in chapel and Christian development if they went to a, a church school, and, uh, and then what they've absorbed from their culture from such you know, great historical novelists as Dan Brown um, and others. For those who are listening online, that was a joke. I'm not recommending Dan Brown as a historical novelist. Quite an average conspiracy theorist, but uh, not a novelist of historical note. So you've got to tell people, because they don't really know. They don't understand who Jesus really is. They think they do, but they don't. So we've got to tell them, okay, what is, what is the other stuff that Jesus says we should do? Yeah, okay, let's not... Uh, just think back over the whole of the Bible. Baptize them. Yep, that's exactly right. But, but take your minds off that first so you go, like, range, think over. What does Jesus say we should do? Love, love your neighbor. Yeah, that's a good one. Do the stuff of love. What else? So what I'm guessing here is not only are we not good at doing it, we actually haven't been very good at information transfer even. (laughs) Sorry? Help those in need. There we go. That wasn't that hard. Thanks, Will. Yeah, help... Find people who've got needs and help them. Meet the needs of the poor and the oppressed, the widows and the orphans. Yeah, that's a good one. Do the stuff. What else? Sorry? Don't hurt people. Yeah. Treat them the way you'd like to be treated. Do unto others. The golden rule. Yeah, don't hurt them. That's a good thing. Do that. What else? Yeah, don't sin. Yeah, there we go. That's a good one. That's a, yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff we shouldn't do. So don't do that stuff. But what's the stuff we should do? That's good. Let's, let's frame it positively. What's the stuff we should do? Pray for people. Brilliant. And what should we pray for people? What do you reckon? When you think, think back to the Gospels, when Jesus commanded his disciples to pray for people, what sort of stuff are they praying for? Praying for healing. Do the stuff of healing. Uh, I've got a great little book on healing if anyone's interested. I've just started reading it. It's brilliant. We're, we're meant to be healers. God is the, God is the healer. His, his healing energy is at work in all of the world and all the time, and we're to cooperate with it, whether through science and medicine or directly tapping into it through prayer. It's the same process. Um, but we're to pray for people to be healed. Um, that's doing the stuff. Now, uh, how many of you have ever prayed for someone to be healed? 
Okay, in their presence. Immediately. Yeah, that's cool. So you know how to do it. And how many people, how many times have you seen someone get healed as a result of your prayers? Okay. Here's my view on healing. I think it's a numbers game. Like, you know, just because it doesn't happen the first 3,000 times you do it doesn't mean that it's not going to be the 3,000 and first time. And if you're like me, you get a little discouraged. So I've, I've used this joke before, but I'll tell it again because I think it's quite funny. Uh, you, I'm not the guy. I'm not the pinup person for healing, uh, for prayer. So I prayed for my brother to become a Christian uh, for 30 years. And then he became a Muslim. So um, I pray for people to get healed and they get worse. But does that mean I should stop praying for them to be healed or that I should, stop, I should have stopped praying for my brother? I've stopped praying for him now because he's dead. Um, it's a bit pointless. But... Um, uh, should I? No, no, no. Just pray for people to be healed. And, and, so, and they might, or they might not. But, but if you don't pray for them to be healed, one thing is really sure, they won't be healed through uh, your prayers. So we should pray. And it's, it gives me great joy to see that you're all doing that. We need to do more of it. We'll have some time of healing afterwards. We've got, we've got two, two damaged knees in the house. Um... So we can pray for some healing and see what God does. Yeah. Okay, what else? What else does God what else does Jesus say we should do? What's the stuff that we should do? Cast out demons. Cast out demons. Go back, if you doubt, go back and read Mark's gospel, just see how much of Jesus' time is spent telling people to you know, praying uh, praying for people to be healed, healing people, and then casting out demons. Um, so uh, we should be doing that. That's doing the stuff. Now you might say, Whoa! I don't know about demons. And that's, we can, how many of you feel totally comfortable praying for deliverance and casting out demons and evil spirits from people? Yeah, a few. Yeah, it's easy. It's no big deal. There, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We can have some workshops and, and, and do some training on how to do it. Um, and it's just meant to be the normal part of life because they're there. The Bible's really clear about it. Um, so we should be doing that kind of stuff. Any other stuff we should do? Sorry? Forgive people. How many times should we forgive people? 490 times we should forgive people. That's it. I'm at 488, just letting you all know. So you've all got two, uh, two more times of forgiveness, and then I'm out of it, man. It's just, just judgment for me, I tell you. I know Jesus makes us like just we are to forgive. That is the stuff. Do the stuff. Forgive people. What else? Turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. I mean, there's, a, there's just do the stuff. Read the Bible and do it. Now the question is, uh, where do we do the stuff? Uh, where do we do the stuff? So here's, here's how it works. Uh, here's a, a very sophisticated drawing. Imagine this is the church the, or the, the, the gathering of God's people, and, and here we all are. Now, my little diagram isn't as good as the animation on the video, but we'll just take that, okay? So here we are, and, uh, and God comes amongst us, and, uh, you know, here we go. And we're doing the stuff here. You know, I'm doing the stuff to you. I'm praying for you, and you're encouraging me and teaching me. And, like, it's a great, this is church, right? We're doing this. But it's not meant to stay in the church. This is the whole point. The way the world has changed is when uh, we go out from here. 
and you do the stuff in your workplace and at home and at school and at university. Do the stuff there. And then, of course, what happens is you do the stuff there and uh, people come into church and they go, wow, I want to find out more. I want to I learn how to do the stuff myself. So actually, I realize there's a little person missing there, isn't there? Like that little... So we go out and you do the stuff and this person encounters Jesus and they want to become a disciple. So they come in and they, do, they, they get trained how to do the stuff. And then they do the stuff. And then they go out again and you find another person there and they're, they're all miserable and sad. But you know what? You do the stuff, you pray for them, you love them, you serve them, you forgive them, you introduce them to Jesus. And man, then they come in and it's just so wonderful because then they can get loved and discipled and full of God. And that's how it works. So just do the stuff. Okay, here we go. That's the sermon. Pretty short. It's not hard. Except, ah, if it were that easy, wouldn't we all be doing it already? So how do we do it? How? Uh, well, let's start off with the, with the first question. Um, uh, how do we do it? Well, how do we do it? How does all this work? Well, 1 Corinthians um, tells us that the way this works is that Jesus doesn't just command us to do this stuff and then leave us to it by himself. In Matthew 28, right, he says, look, I'm going to be with you always to the very end of the age. How is Jesus with us today? Well, he's with us today by the person of the Holy Spirit. So here's a, a quick little introduction to Trinitarian theology. Here's a picture. Right, there's one God and three persons. Uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And uh, these, this is one being. Uh, they're distinct and equal and a community of love. The Son comes into this world and uh, lives and dies and rises again and uh, then is seated at the right hand of the Father. And what the Son does is the Son then gives, sends out his Holy Spirit upon us. And the key principle, the key person of God with whom we engage now in fulfillment of God's promise, Jesus promised to be with us, is the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit comes upon us to give us the spiritual power to do the stuff. That's it. Uh, and, uh, and here's the question then. If the Holy Spirit comes upon us and gives us power to do the stuff, who gets to do the stuff? Well, according to 1 Corinthians, the person who is spiritual, by the way, and, and in verse, verse 1 here it says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, uh, this little phrase here, gifts of the Spirit, is... Um, probably better in, uh, translated or can be translated about spiritual things, spiritual matters, spiritual people. Now, I want to talk to you about spirit stuff, Paul says. And, uh, and he says, here's the thing. When it comes to being full of the Spirit with power to do the stuff, this is not just what happens to special super Christians, Right? So that's that. Back in Corinth, this is what they start. They were starting to think there were like two classes of Christians: the, the the super spiritual ones who could do the stuff with great power, and then just the rest, right? In in um, 
Uh, it's a temptation always, and, and often in our tradition in churches, what can happen is you get like the full-time religious Christian, someone like myself who gets paid, and you go, well, the, the pastor, the priest, they're the, they're the really spiritual ones, the rest of us are just ordinary people. And you go, no, no, that's absolute nonsense. Or we can even today divide it around spiritual experiences. There are two sorts of Christians, those who've had this experience of God and those who haven't. Who does the stuff according to this in the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, it's anyone who has confessed that Jesus is Lord. That's the point Paul's making here. I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God, no one who's really spiritual, can say Jesus, uh, can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, right? So um, if, you, if you say, yep, Jesus is Lord, you're a spiritual person. You have the Holy Spirit. You've got the resources of God in your life to do the stuff. Now, what does it mean to say Jesus is Lord? Well, it's a direct um, uh, criticism or a reworking of the common phrase in Rome at the time which said, Caesar is Lord. Maybe if you're in America, you could have, you know, Trump is Lord, you know, something like that. It's like there's the, there's the, the, the emperor, Caesar, was all-powerful in Rome across the whole Roman Empire, the known world. And against that, the early Christians said, no, 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 Caesar is not Lord, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the one who's really in control, who has all the power. Now, in our day and age, jokes about Trump aside, we don't have any political person where we'd say, this one political leader is Lord over my life. Who in our culture would be would would we typically say, well, who is Lord in our world? Sorry? Money? Yeah? Think of a person. Who in your life are you most likely to think is Lord or live under their lordship? Parents? Yeah? Government? Yeah ourselves the self is lord actually this is the this is democracy right caesar is no longer lord we don't have a, a, a king or an emperor over us like every one of us chooses who gets to rule us because in the end we are actually all little caesars we're all little lords we call the shots and then christianity says no no that's a really dumb idea for me to be lord of my life is really dumb because i'm not smart enough i don't know enough about the world i i don't know myself well enough i can't see into the future i certainly don't understand everything that's ever happened um i don't understand everything that's going on in your lives how on earth could i call all the shots in my life so uh, what christianity says is surrender your life and say you know i'm going to replace myself as king with jesus as lord and if you've done that that's it. If you've done that, if you've got to the point where you go, I want to be an apprentice of Jesus, I want to learn my, live my life from him, then you have the Holy Spirit in you, which means you've got everything you need in you to do the stuff. That's it. You don't need to learn Greek. You don't need to learn Hebrew. You don't have to become perfect. You don't have to give up all your favorite sins. <laughs> you, 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 you've uh, you, that'll come, but at the moment, but you've, you confess Jesus Lord, you've got the Holy Spirit, boom, you can do the stuff. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. That's what Paul is saying. We all have these gifts, and we have what it takes. 
Um, and these are gifts. Notice he makes goes to great lengths. There are different kinds of gifts. And what's the thing about gifts? Gifts are things that you don't earn. By definition, they're just given to you. So the Holy Spirit gives each of us different gifts in order that we can do the stuff. But doing the stuff with the gifts that God gives us doesn't earn us God's favor or any more goodies. We don't come to God and go, well, I'm going to do the stuff so that you will love me. Okay, that's how most of life works. School, I do the stuff that my teacher wants so that my teacher thinks I'm great and I get good grades and I get in the university and the world loves me. That's, that's how school works. Parenting works a bit like that. You do the stuff for your parents and then they love you and accept you and leave you money in their will. Um, not how God works. God loves us and because of that he gives us gifts so that we can do the stuff. Not to get him to love us but because he loves us. It's a gift. And then notice there are different kinds of gifts. The same Holy Spirit gives us all these gifts. The same Holy Spirit gives us the power to do them but they're different. Here's the problem, a major problem in the church today and in all human culture, which is this. I, want, I, I, I very quickly start to think that everybody should do the stuff the way I do the stuff. Because after all, it works for me. So therefore, it should work for you. But the Bible's really clear. No, no, we're all different. Every single one of us is different. So um, I've got the gift of teaching, so I teach. You may have the gift of teaching, but I'm pretty sure the way you teach would be different to the way I teach, and that's fine. And the context in which you teach. You, you've, you'll have different gifts to me. It doesn't matter what your gifts are. They come from God, and they're to be used in a way that is unique to you to do the stuff. And don't ever let anyone tell you that you've got to do it in a particular way doesn't matter how you do it. It's just what matters is that you do it, right? And churches get terribly caught up in trying to control people and tell them what not to do. And that they should be doing it this way and not that way. I mean, the Anglican way is, you know, to form a committee to examine how you should do the stuff. And you've got to have some lawyers on the committee. And then when you form the committee, you can draft some ordinances to legislate how you should do the stuff, and in particular how you should not do the stuff. And then you've got to have ordinances because you need buildings to enable you to do the stuff, and then you need a lot of law to govern how you use the buildings because how, cause that determines how you can do the stuff. And so you're run by, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with ordinances and buildings, but that's not, that's not what doing the stuff's about. You've just got to just do it. You don't need a building to do the stuff because you're going to be doing it in your workplace and in your home and in your friendship groups and inside a building like this, for which we're very grateful to have, by the way. <laughs> um, uh, but it's okay to be different. You'll be different to me, and, and every one of us will be different. And the way God uses you in the world to do the stuff will be very different. And it'll be different over time in your life as well. What you do now will be different to what you'll be doing in five years or 10 years or 15 years. And that's okay. So we're doing the stuff. It's the same God at work. Now, why do we do the stuff? Um, uh, look what he says. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given 
to build a platform so that they can become an influencer uh, and, and in time monetize that so that they can uh, uh, retire in comfort. Is that, that's what it says, doesn't it? No, 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 it doesn't say that. Uh, it says, now to each one the manifestation is given for the common good. Um, so we do the stuff for the good of others, to build the body of Jesus, to build the kingdom of God. And that's important because um, we all have an ineluctable tendency to mess things up and become selfish with stuff. So we can take God's good gifts and we can use them for very selfish ends, can't we? And I, I think most divisions in churches and come from pride and fighting about you know different people's egos and I want my stuff to be used in this way because it's about me. And, and actually Jesus says, no, the way to use, do the stuff is to be incredibly humble and say everything that I have is just to be used for others, right? And that's hard. I mean, so there's a, and there's a temptation in everything. Like I, I could be tempted to use my teaching. I've, I've gifts of teaching. Uh, the, the, the world is full of people who use their teaching gifts to advance their own careers in the service of their own egos, for sure. You can make money teaching. You can garner power in a, as a teacher. And, uh, and God says, no, 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 no. Everything you do with your teaching gift, Mark, just use it to build a body. Use it for the common good. Same with whatever the gift you've got, artistic creativity, organization, prophecy, tongues. It's always for the common good. Um, we can, we, and that's important. So it's important to be like ruthlessly honest with yourself. I sometimes think one of the reasons um, God uh, doesn't answer my prayers for people to be healed, hasn't given me the gift of healing, is because um, he probably knows I'd just be proud and cocky over it. I'd be like, look at me. I didn't need to finish that medical degree. I can just, you're healed. Woo-hoo. That's cool, man. <laughs> Who needs all that studying anyway? And, uh, and I think God knows that that's, I mean, I'd be, I'd be so prone to that. I'm sure. So he's like, no, Mark, you pray for people, they're going to get worse. I'll show you. I mean, it's tough for them, right? So I'd hedge your bets, get other people to pray for you as well as me. Um, but I'll still pray for you and we'll do our thing. But I think God knows. Cause, and what God is really interested in is our character and building up the common good. So if you say, I want to do the stuff and I want to do it to be a blessing to others, that's when God really starts to use us, hey? Because it's not about our ego and our need and our position and, well, I have the right to be either this or that. No, 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 no. We've got the right to be a servant. It's the same in your workplace. You will stand out a mile in your workplace if what, what you are fundamentally on about is doing the stuff that Jesus says you should do for the common good. To actually serve others. You'll stand out a mile because in our workplaces, mostly people are climbing over themselves to get ahead, to build their platforms, to make a name for themselves. And, and then we get amongst it and we're there to be agents of the kingdom, healing and serving and doing the stuff. So um, that's it. We're to do this for the common good. We, uh, we have a list. We have a, a process called the three colors of ministry that is a process for discovering your gifts, uh, using your gifts. And uh, if you'd like to take part in that, there's a gift discovery process. Um, we'd love to help you through that. And there's a link. You can just email the office, um, admin at darlingstreet.org. The link's also in the sermon notes on the church app. Um, so we had to do the stuff. So it's really very simple. So I'm finished using my gift of teaching. I'm hoping 
you've been learning up using your gift of learning up until this point. We've sort of finished it more or less the same time, but maybe not. If you finished a while ago, now's the time to wake up. Um, because we're going <laughs> to we're going to pray we're going to pray right and uh, we're going to pray for ourselves and for each other um, that we be a community of people who actually are obedient to Jesus and do the stuff. So um, let's do that. And uh, what I encourage you to do is we're going to spend a moment, a bit of time, just in private prayer. And then I'm going to encourage us to actually pray together with each other and pray for somebody next to you uh, or with you. And just uh, we're going to specifically, yeah, pray for God to release his spirit into us to empower us to do this in whatever context we're in. So let's have a moment of quiet. And... Um,